Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Well, we have been uh, in a series right now called Frequency on how to hear the voice of God and uh, we've just kind of beginning this conversation, and, and as we have, I have been overwhelmed by the reality that we have a God who speaks. We have a God who moves towards us and whose ultimate desire is union and communion with us. And so if you're new to church, following Jesus, and are curious about who God is, this is a great time for you to be coming in. And if you've been following Jesus your entire life, uh, what a beautiful reminder that every single one of us needs, that we have a God who speaks to us. One of my favorite stories about this is found in the Old Testament in the 19th chapter of 1 Kings about this guy named Elijah. Now, Elijah is one of the most famous Old Testament characters, largely because of the miracles that he did. Uh, he had these unbelievable moments where God just showed up in radical, radical ways. During a time when the nation of Israel was really in decline, there was a civil war, the nation had split, um, they, people had turned away from Yahweh, and so they are facing the ramifications of that, and Elijah is calling the people back to right relationship with God, to not worship other idols and things like that, and when Elijah is present, there is a king named Ahab and a queen named Jezebel. And they are, have lived wickedly and uh, in very intentionally away from God. And so this point happens in the story where Elijah calls out um, all, that, all the false prophets that are worshiping Baal that Ahab and Jezebel had set up. And he just calls them to uh, this mountain, Mount Carmel, to have a face-off. I mean, this is like, this would make amazing modern entertainment television. And they're going to see who's, who's more powerful. Yahweh or Baal, who's going to be there? So they bring their prophets. Um, again, this is when the, the nation of Israel is in steep decline away from God. And so there are hundreds of these false prophets and, and so they make this altar. And it's this famous story where essentially the, the, the prophets are to call on Baal to come and ignite the sacrifice. And so they spend all day doing this. There's some trash talk that goes on. And at the end of it, it's Elijah's turn. Elijah prays and fire comes and consumes not only the sacrifice, but the altar and the boulders itself. I mean, it is riveting. Uh, you should read it if you haven't yet. And this is what happens after that moment. So there is this stunning victory on behalf of Yahweh, and Elijah runs back to the city, and, and the only conclusion is that point is he's expecting to see something. I mean, Yahweh clearly just made his mark that he is the one true God, and as he runs back to the city, he's expecting to see probably one of two things. Number one, Ahab and Jezebel repenting as kind of the wicked rulers and, and, and repentance in Israel. And he doesn't see any of it. A matter of fact, 
He's met with a threat. Jezebel says, if you are not dead by this time tomorrow, may the gods deal ever so severely with me. And so Elijah, one of the greatest, most prominent figures Israel have ever seen, who has just experienced this tremendous victory, runs. He just starts running in the opposite direction, afraid for his life, severely confused. What happened? Where was the repentance? Where was the revival? God, where were you in this moment? And so Elijah just starts running literally for his life. And as he's there, he finds himself underneath a broom tree, which in in that region would have been a five to ten foot tall tree. It's one of the only trees that would have provided shade. And Elijah just gives up. And God shows up in this really unique way. He shows up in the form of the angel of the Lord, which is common in the Old Testament. And and he does something. This is where we're going to pick up the story. In verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He came to Beersheba in Judah, and he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So he dismisses his staff, if you will. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He says this, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some uh, bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And this is where the story gets real interesting. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, the new King James, a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He goes on to give him instructions, essentially on how to go and anoint different kings and how to anoint a different prophet. And this is where we see Elijah's ministry uh, start to transition. Uh, There's so much in this story that is going on and as it pertains to how God interacts with us, how God speaks to us. But three things in particular I'd love to point out. Number one, God interacts with us and speaks to us holistically. Number two, that God speaks to us uniquely. And lastly, God will speak to us completely. So that that first point that God is speaking to us holistically, the thing that stands out to me as I read this 
is how when Elijah's at the end of his rope, he's exhausted, he's, his plan has failed, and he's throwing in the towel, God shows up not with a reprimand, not with a rebuke, but he, he shows up in some unique ways. Number one, he touches him. It's physical touch. Uh, number two, he feeds him, gives him a drink of water. Twice he does this. And then the next thing we see God doing in these interactions is he just asks Elijah questions. And as we see this, we see that God presents himself to Elijah in this holistic way. He's dealing with him psychologically, he's dealing with him physically, and he's dealing with him spiritually. And I think so often when we are feeling distraught, exhausted, I mean, especially after the year we've just had, we tend to look at one of these things as the answer. Well, I, maybe I, maybe it's a physical, maybe I need to move. Maybe I need to be in a different state. Maybe it's psychological. Maybe I need a new therapist or maybe it's spiritual. Maybe I'm not praying enough. And, and what I love about this passage is God interacts with Elijah in, in all of these dimensions, right? He meets him with his physical needs. He meets him in his psychological needs through conversation and listening and he meets him in, in a revelation that addresses his spiritual need. And this is such a significant takeaway for us when it comes to hearing the voice of God because God speaks to us not just through an audible voice. And if he does for you, amazing. For most people I talk to, that's not the case. A lot of times it's through our eyes and our senses. It's through our heart. It's through relationship. It's it's this holistic sense that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. It's, a, it's that we can uh, feel the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. And so that's kind of the first takeaway from this, um, from this interaction. Second thing is that God speaks to um, Elijah really uniquely. He, he comes to Mount Horeb and it says that there is an earthquake there's a wind, there's a fire, but it says something interesting. It says that God is not in those things, and then kind of there's still a small voice. I've always read this thinking that like, oh, this is God's preferred method of speaking. Oh, we have to make sure we're quiet and have a devotional and some soft worship music or whatever. This is when God speaks. But if you look at the whole of Scripture, God speaks in every single one of these ways. He shows up in a fire in the burning bush. He shows up um, through uh, earthquakes and the ground shaking. Uh, he shows up through wind, um, the Valley of Dry Bones, the Day of Pentecost. We see God show up in all of these ways throughout Scripture. But in this moment, God shows up uniquely to Elijah in a still small voice. It's what he needed right then. And he repeats the question, Elijah, what are you doing here? But I, I think in those moments, Elijah didn't need what he saw in chapter 18. Fire coming down, this huge display, what he needed in that moment as he was seeking the Lord after a 40-something day journey was a whisper, was a gentle voice. What are you doing here, Elijah? And for some of you, you need that. You need to hear the gentle voice of God in your life. Some of you, God wants to show up in some more radical ways. But understand this, when God speaks to you, it might look different than he's speaking to me.
God can show up and speak in a unique way. But not only does God show up holistically, not only does God show up uniquely, God shows up completely. And let me explain this. For those of you who, who know a bit about the Bible, um, but especially for the original audience who would have read this, um, you would have started picking up on a few things. Namely, Elijah is literally repeating the journey that Moses took in reverse. So he leaves the promised land, goes into the wilderness, is given supernatural bread like manna, supernatural water, complains in the wilderness, and then takes a 40-day journey back to Mount Horeb, which is more popularly known as Mount Sinai. And then he goes back, and it says that he went into a cave, but the Hebrews actually translated a, a crevice or a cleft in the rock. So a lot of scholars think that he might have been in the very same place where Moses asked to see the presence of God in, in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. It, it talks about this moment where, where Moses heard God, but but here's what's, what's fascinating, is that as Elijah is reversing Moses' journey, the original audience would have turned a light bulb on. Ah, this is the new Moses. So you might be like, well, what, what do you mean the new Moses? There is a prophecy given in Deuteronomy 18. It says this, The Lord your, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Who's speaking? Moses. From among you. From your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. And then verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I'll put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. So as Moses dies and is unable to complete, complete his mission in the promised land, there is this prophecy that someday there will be one like Moses. Well, Elijah fit all of the criteria. He's doing supernatural, miraculous signs and wonders. He's leading the nation of Israel back to repentance. He has a journey into the desert. Manna shows up. He's at the cleft of the rock where Moses was to see the presence of God. And at this moment where you think maybe Elijah is the, the prophesied one like Moses, you see him fail. You see him not become the, the Messiah, the promised one that they were looking for. And again, if you stop right there in the story of Scripture, this becomes a very depressing story. There's no resolution. He just kind of fades out. But what we know is actually in that moment when everyone thought that this was the new Moses, it's actually pointing forwards. It's pointing towards Jesus, that Jesus is the one who would be like Moses and who would come and have the word of God on his heart and we would listen to his commands and he would lead us into the ultimate promised land, the ultimate rest. And so this, and as we read this on this side of the covenant, we can read this with hope and expectation that we don't have to wonder anymore. 
that we have a God who shows up holistically. He wants to meet every single one of us, that we have a God who speaks to us uniquely in ways that we need to hear him in the seasons we need to hear him in. But he also has given us the new Moses, the Messiah, the promised one. He's given us Jesus. And so no matter what's going on, no matter if we are feeling him or not, we always have the person, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of that. And that is our ultimate hope. Does God speak? Yes. But can I also say he's already spoken the word, the logos, Jesus Christ given to us. And so we get to understand that because of that, that when Jesus shows up, he talks about and says that I am the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. And so we now have access to hearing God. And if you were here last week and you got to hear Aaron and Blair about how the, the hearing God is not something we have to muster up. It's not superstitious. Why? Well, because God is always moving towards us. And that ultimately culminates in the person of Jesus Christ, the incarnation. He came towards us. He's still speaking. And some of you, like Elijah right now, are exhausted. And some of you need to go and take a nap. Some of you need to go have a good meal. Some of you need to listen to God in a way you've never heard him before. And some of you need to remind yourselves and your soul that Jesus has already come. He is who ex exactly who he said he was. And he is right now seated at the right hand of God. It says he's interceding for you, for us. And so similarly to Elijah, I've taken so much comfort in this passage just realizing, man, that's so me. And sometimes I need to remember that God is speaking. He's speaking gently, uniquely. He's interacting with me holistically. And I just need to posture myself to perceive that. What does that look like? And it will always begin with understanding who Jesus is. He's not just um, king, which he, he is, but he's a king who revealed himself as a friend, even as a servant. And because of that, that changes everything in us and about us. So let me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much. You speak to us. Thank you that... In the same way you speak to Elijah, Lord Jesus, you can speak to us. So for those of us right now who are watching this who feel like Elijah and, and you are disappointed, we're disappointed not in God, but we're disappointed in the plan that didn't work out. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear you above our own complaints, above our own hurt. Lord, I pray for those of us who need rest, those of us who need hope, those of us who need even a meal, God, that we would begin to be refreshed um, by your goodness and your presence. And Lord, as I read this story, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you came. Thank you that we don't have to look for the, the new Moses anymore. And that our soul and heart can rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.